Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing and welcome to another episode of Media Matters for Anfield Index. Hopefully you're all safe from the storm and the blowing gales that are coming around, but there was nothing that could keep Bournemouth away from the Hurricane Reds, could they, yesterday, as an absolute thumping, which may have looked a little bit different at half-time, but there's plenty to discuss as ever. And I'm pleased as ever to be delighted by the renowned, enjoyed, sorry, by the renowned and respected David Lynch. David, how are we? Yeah, good. Really looking forward to this one. Um, a really convincing one. So yeah, loads of loads of good things to get into about this one. And uh, yeah, Liverpool flying at the minute, so great. Yeah, still crazy how we're nearly at February and the Reds are five points clear at the top. And it was by definition, I mean, a super Sunday there at the Vitality. Uh, nil nil at half time, four nil by the end. Jota and Nunes helping themselves to doubles. I mean. It could be a bit mixed, this one, but what were your honest thoughts on the performance? Yeah, I thought first half, even though, you know, they come in at nil-nil, I still thought there was a lot of positives there. I thought Liverpool looked really controlled. Um, They were getting into good areas and we just saw a couple of sort of, you know, poor passes in in, in moments where it just needed a little bit more composure. Because like I say, I thought they were, you know, I thought they were controlling things. You know, Bournemouth had that really good start and they had a really good sort of opening 10 right. minutes and that was difficult. But I thought once Liverpool got past that, they were, you know, they were dominating possession. They were winning it in good areas. They were, they were, they were winning the midfield battle completely. And I thought, you know, we're very much on top and just, just lacking that little moment of composure in the final third and, and promising moments were just coming to nothing because, you know, maybe we're taking on a long, a shot from long range rather than finding the pass or, you know, just making sort of wrong decisions. But I wasn't sort of massively worried about the way Liverpool play. And I thought, you know, if Bournemouth were going to go on and win it and be a real threat in the second half, they would have had to up things massively and they, they didn't yeah. really show signs of that. And then obviously when you come out in the second half and score as early as they did, 
then I was pretty convinced from that point that, that Liverpool were going to win because I'd seen enough in the performance up to that point. And obviously then Bournemouth have to open up a little bit as well. So that made it much easier for Liverpool. That that first goal is always important. And in the end, I think, you know, overall you take the 90 minutes, I think, you know, arguably one of the best performances of the season. As I say, I still took a lot of positives from the first half, even though it wasn't perfect. And then I think when you throw in that second half performance as well, as I say, possibly one of the, the the most convincing performances of the season. And the fact that Liverpool are doing it now at this point when the five points clear in the Premier League and, and the second half of the season's coming up, that's incredibly encouraging because performances are now matching results and we're, you know, you're looking at maybe Liverpool getting on a, a real run of, of hopefully reeling off some wins. And if you can do that, you know, it's a, a great time of the season to do it. Yeah, there's that myth that Liverpool are just getting over the line, but four goals against Newcastle, four goals here as well. They are playing some great stuff at the moment. I mean, it'd be easy just to go to the forward line because there's two players that got doubles when people are looking at man of the match, but there were some really good performances like in various positions. Who who did you give the nod to in the end, personally? Yeah, my, my man of the match was McAllister. Um, I think, yeah, possibly harsh on the forwards, probably Jot in particular because he always, also gets an assist, but I just think... I just thought McAllister, I thought maybe his best performance at Liverpool yet. Yeah. Um, you know, massive read, part of the reason why Liverpool was so, so dominant in midfield. I think he wins 12 out of 17 duels, yeah. 15 recoveries, I think I wrote about. Um, so, you know, th- that's the side of the game that people said that he didn't have, that he, he wasn't combative enough to be a holding midfielder. Um, but, he, but he did all that and he combined it with, I think, what was it? 89% passing accuracy creates four chances, 11 passes into the final third. I can't remember. Right. I am actually remembering these off the top of my head because when I saw That's the it. stats, when I saw the stats, I was like that, you know what, that that matches up with what I saw. So it was, it, yeah. you know, the, the, the stats really stood out to me because it was like, I knew, I, you know, I felt like he played really well and I looked at the numbers and he totally backed that up. Both sides of the ball, just massively impressive. And I think, you know, just uh, all that talk about him not being a number six. I, I, you know, the, Jurgen Klopp's not stupid to keep playing him there if he can't play it. Um, yeah. And obviously there was more to come from him, but we're starting to see that now. And I thought, yeah, yeah, I thought he was absolutely brilliant. A, a masterclass in midfield. And I, I really liked him as a player anyway. Really enjoyed watching his development. But he really seems to be coming to the fore now. And, and again, you know, it's true of a lot of players in this Liverpool team, but him in particular... You know, be, becoming a dominant force in that midfield is, is massive and it, it bodes well for the second half of the season. Yeah, even when it just wasn't quite happening, he was dictating things in that first half. He was absolutely sensational yesterday. And it is right that we do talk about the forwards because obviously we've had the worries about Mo Salah being out, but the two forwards yesterday, especially Jota and Nunes, I mean, it's fair to say they were on fire. Yeah, absolutely. I thought Nunes. A little bit first half, you, you still can see his weaknesses sometimes. You talk a lot about the fact that he's not perfect, is he? And, you know, we still he's still doing a great job for Liverpool at the moment. Um, but second half, what the difference was, you know, if you get him in positions where he's a one-touch finish, you know, he, he's, he's deadly in those areas. I think, you know, some of the problem is sometimes that, you know, a lot of his finishes, he's having a lot of time to think about them. I think if you, you know, put him in positions where he's one-touch, as I say, uh, you know, we know he can produce in those positions. And I thought... You know, two two really good finishes yesterday. Hopefully, that's great for his confidence because to score, you know, he was he was absolutely positive in terms of what he was doing for the team. You know, I think we spoke about this before in terms of brilliant in turning up with assists and he's showing real quality in that side of things. His pressing's better, his hold up plays better. 
uh, you know, getting more involved in build-up and doing some good things there. But the one thing we wanted was just a few more goals from him. And, and one in 16 yeah. is not a good enough return for a player who was getting in the positions he was. So really hopeful that this, you know, can just give him that little confidence boost he needs. Because if he adds if he adds goals, he may ne- never need to be Salah-level prolific, by the way. But if he adds enough goals to his game it, with everything else that he provides in terms of assists and hold-up play... Then you've got you know you've got a world class forward in your hands, so you know it doesn't it doesn't have to be a goal a goal every game at, at Salah's level at his best in terms of how prolific he is. But he just you know if he's getting maybe one in two or just a little nudge above that, fantastic you know that'd be absolutely fantastic for Liverpool, and he would one hundred percent be a, an absolute net positive for the team. Then so really hoping that that can give him a can give him a boost really in terms of his confidence and and just on Jota as well. Uh, you know, He's just world class, isn't he? I, I don't think you know. There's no doubt about that. He gets the assist yesterday that breaks the game, and then scores two himself. Um, absolutely deadly in front of goal. I thought again, actually, similarly to Nunes, a little bit sloppy in the first half. Yeah, he can he can be a bit scruffy like that, but that's absolutely fine when you when you turn up in the second half and and make three goals happen. Um, you know, it, it's just, it's just crucial that he stays fit, really, because Liverpool. Liverpool massively missing when he's out, and, and particularly at the moment with Salah not there, I think I think Jot is the the real go to man in that attack, and he he proved that again yesterday. Yeah, high praise from Jamie Carragher, calling him the second best finisher he's seen behind Robbie Fowler as well. So, yeah, I wouldn't like to do those analysis, but absolutely unreal the two of them yesterday. And I know we talked about McAllister and you know the forward line, the midfield, Canate. I mean. Since Arsenal, it just—I don't know what it is. It almost seems like Canate. I don't want to say gone up a level because that indicates almost dropped down in a way, so to speak. But he does seem on great form at the moment, doesn't he? Yeah, I, I think it is fair to say he's gone up a level because I think he's always been, you know, top class for Liverpool. No, no question marks over that. The only question mark you'd have was, was obviously fitness or anything like that. But I think, uh, but I think he has, he, you know, as good as he was, I think he has gone up another level because you know he, he's winning, he's winning aerial duels at a, a Van Dyke like rate now. So you've basically got a, you've got Virgil Van Dyke there who's, who's absolutely back to his best, and the guy next to him is doing similar things in terms of his, his statistics that he's putting up. You know, eight out of ten won yesterday in windy conditions where Bournemouth, you know, he could have made it difficult really there. The other the striker in Solanke who'd scored eight and eight. Um, you know, coming into this, and he's a physical guy, likes to throw himself around, and you know, Canate just completely yeah. dealt with that, and that killed Bournemouth's threat because Liverpool were also controlling ninety percent of the match anyway. So Bournemouth's only hope really was that a ball would drop in the box or or, or something would just happen for them. But you know, you have absolutely rock solid at the back there, and Canate was massive with that. And another element of his game, actually, I want to talk about that I think is a big part in terms of him really stepping it up recently. He gets 11 passes into the final third yesterday. Yeah, and I think teams have tried in the past and, and and with some success, I think even back recently to maybe the United game where I thought they were always trying to filter possession to Canate because they know how good Van Dijk is on the ball and maybe he's just been a little bit short of Van Dijk in that element of his game. But 11 passes into the final third yesterday, some dribbles out as well. The way you know the way he used the ball, I thought was really, really good and, and, and kept getting Liverpool on the front foot. So... I mean, the fact he's adding that into his game just shows, you know, he's getting better and better. And you should expect that from young players, but his level was already incredibly high as it was. So, yeah, just, I just fingers crossed at the moment that he can stay fit because he's absolutely, you know, number one partner for Virgil van Dijk there. And I think those two at the moment, I would say the best defensive pairing in the Premier League. And, and, you know, they were just absolutely imperious, as you say, yesterday. That's that's the big question. That Van Dyke's number one, 
Would, do you have Canate personally as the number two centre-half in the Premier League? Because people are now looking at that, aren't they? For Liverpool fans have that opinion, no doubt, but people bring Saliba and others. Are you putting Canate right next to Van Dijk in those rankings? Yeah, I think, I think you know, Saliba, I, I really, really like him as a player, don't get me wrong, he's a, an absolutely unbelievable footballer, but I think it says a lot that Canate keeps him out for France. You know, Deschamps sees those two yeah. players up close and, and and knows what he's got there. And I think Saliba, a little bit more of a natural footballer, isn't he? He's, he, he? I mean, that touch he pulls off at Anfield in the draw, I'm still thinking about that. It's just, I think that summed him up. He is, he is so class, you know, relaxed player, the way he plays the game. He's, a, he's an excellent defender as well, don't get me wrong. Wrong, but I think I think Canate is you know for me just he, 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 slightly less able on the ball, but he's adding that into his game now and, and everything he does on the defensive side and, and 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 in a system as well that doesn't really massively protect him. I mean, when Trent is out there on that right hand side, he has to get through so much work. Um, so you know he, he gets so many opportunities to defend, and it's just sheer class in all of them. And uh, yeah, for me, you know he's putting up Van Dyke like numbers, so I think deserves to be. Compared to him, and the fact that Liverpool have got both of them together is wow! What a you know they're so so lucky to have them both. It's crazy. It just seems like five six months ago, it almost felt like Joel Matip had over overtaken him a little bit, so to speak. But just that that curve is just going up and up and up, and you're just not concerned when we're defending two and two in a weird way anymore, which we do. So yeah, so many positives. I mean. We have to talk about the negative. We, we all sort of held our breath when Canate got that rattle late on. And we certainly weren't ecstatic when Curtis Jones went down as well. Is there any updates on that? Are we awaiting anything? No, we're just expect, expecting a scan on that today. Um, you know, Klopp seemed kind of positive about it in that, you know, Curtis didn't want to risk it. He felt a little bit of something that's been knocking around this week and just thought, you know, we're 3-0 up, so, so get me off and, and let's not risk it. Um, so that that's a good sign, I think, in terms of, you know, there's a possibility maybe gets away with one and maybe it's just a little bit of, of cramp in the muscle or something like that. Let, let's hope it's that. We just have to wait to see what the results of that scan is. You know, unfortunately, there's, it's a it's a really tight turnaround, isn't it, to, to the next game on Wednesday, which is unfortunate. Yeah. So hopefully it's nothing serious. You know, maybe you, you just throw Gravenberg in for that one anyway, just to protect Curtis because these muscular ones, you, you just don't need any more of those because Liverpool's injury list is already incredibly lengthy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. There's literally a whole 11 basically out at the moment. It's crazy. And I know we normally try and steer away from refs and comments and everything, but you knew I was going to ask you this one. Sinistera, on Luis Diaz and you'll have seen it as well all the talk that is Curtis Jones again by Reds and that type of thing honest thoughts on that one yeah it, I think it's Cliver by the way I think it was Cliver sorry Cliver yeah sorry um, yeah, but, yeah I, um, I, I mean I, I always like, like I say I try and don't try and defend refs but always try and come with it from the perspective of why is the ref made that decision but I think that is just so frustrating. That one doesn't go for Liverpool because I just think you know, you're going to get inconsistencies between refs. I think people should be more accepting of that because one ref will see things in one way. Some refs are a little bit more open to letting things go. So you are you aren't going to get consistency. So anyone who calls for that, I just think needs to let that go. But I think even accounting for some inconsistency, I think the the foot studs that high up on the leg. You see the buckling in Luis Diaz's leg, which is exactly what they look for as a marker in a red card. It's very difficult for me to understand within the law how they've looked at that again 
and not awarded a red card um, or, or asked the referee to at least have another look at it because I think he'd have been called over. There's absolutely no doubt uh, it, it would have been a red card. And obviously, if he'd have awarded the red card in real time, no chance of an overturn of that. So, you know, the, the, the generous interpretation, I guess, is that Liverpool have been very, very unfortunate in that situation. And it's the only upside is it happens in a game that they ultimately win easily and Luis Diaz comes away without having broken his leg, fortunately enough. So... But it, but it is it's so annoying that one because it, it just is, and I I, I think Liverpool will. I, I you know I don't know if you read Dale Johnson's column in ESPN that, yeah. that goes to your referee. Absolutely brilliant. I would you know recommend anyone to to read that to give them a sort of a, yeah. an understanding and, and the the refereeing perspective on a lot of these situations. I would be surprised if it, if that doesn't get chalked up as a missed intervention because I just think it just fulfills all the the, the necessary need for a red card. Really, I, I'm just amazed it didn't get given at the time. I also think actually Liverpool that the they might consider it was a missed intervention on a, a penalty on, on Diogo Jota as well. That looked to be right on the line. It looked like a clear trip to me, you know, yeah. a, a clear and obvious error not to give it. I'd be interested to know what the discussion between the referee and the VAR, whether he'd seen it and thought, you know, he'd seen it on the field and told them he'd seen what he'd seen. And, it, it, you know, he, he didn't think it met the threshold for clear and obvious error. I'd be interested to know. Like I say, the, the upside is that the, the Liverpool won it comfortably anyway and they didn't get any injuries. But yeah, it's it's incredibly frustrating. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Dale Johnson publishes, but it's going to be hard to imagine it's anything but a, a five to zero on the panel for that decision when it's looked at again. But we'll have to see. But three points, top of the league. The only net we're just awaiting that injury news, aren't we? And praying, and obviously we'll come to injury news for other people at the same time later on in the pod as well. But player focus. I mean, the, there's so many, but one that. This sounds crazy. He almost is just not getting mentioned because of how well the Reds are playing at the moment. I can't believe one was saying this, but it's true. Alison Becker, another clean sheet, but again, not say bystander, but didn't really seem to have too much to do. And the clean sheet seems to be racking up as he becomes less and less involved, to be honest. But how would you view his season overall? Are we still looking at the best in the world for you? Yeah, not a shadow of a doubt. I mean, he keeps being overlooked for individual awards, doesn't he? Which I find to be absolutely incredible, particularly when I know Liverpool were poor last season, but they would have been far, far worse. He would have been at threat of relegation if he didn't have Alisson Becker last season. Like, he was that good. Um, and, and yeah, he's getting less opportunity to prove himself this season because, you know, Liverpool are looking more solid, but he's still absolutely the, the, the best goalkeeper in the world, despite that fact. Um, you know, Maybe if Liverpool win something this season, he'll be back in the in the running for individual awards again. Despite the yeah. fact he's probably been less busy over the season, it's it's just a, a, a strange one, really. But I think his season so far, just yeah, he's never really since he's he's joined Liverpool let his, his level drop at any point, and I still think he's just that consistently world class best keeper in the world at the moment. And and I think, you know, in the the early part of the season when Liverpool, and this tends to happen under Jurgen Klopp, and it was more pronounced this season because of the the sort of rebuild they've done in midfield, is that they don't always look perfect and it's not always as slick and, you know, that high line can maybe be exposed in the early part of the season. But then he was absolutely massive in terms of keeping Liverpool on track and getting results with some, you know, he was busier in that part of the season, but it is... It's getting to that point now where the, the team's really clicking into gear. We see this under Klopp so often in the second half of the season. So, you know, he, he is going to hopefully be a lot less busy over the, the, the remainder of the season. But, he, you know, he, he's still there, that presence, if you need him. And he, and he is absolutely world-class. And I do think 
you know, it's kind of interesting yesterday, actually. He only makes one save in the entire game. Yeah. It's a pretty straightforward one. Um, but the reason he only makes one save, you think of that Brooks chance right at the end where he, he goes to on goal, Liverpool have already, it's not really important because Liverpool have already got the game won, but he doesn't even have to make a save in that situation because he comes out, makes himself massive. And, and yeah. his, aura, his aura is such that, that David Brooks completely miscues his chip finished, sends it completely wide. The goalkeeper doesn't even have to touch it. And that just says everything about Alisson. He, he doesn't have to make a save in that situation, but what he contributed in that moment is as good as a save. He, he completely put him off and, and, and made the turn the finish into a, to a shank, really. And that just sums him up even when he's... You know, even when he's not making a save, he's in the striker's heads uh, because of how good he is and he's earned that reputation. Yeah, he just, he's just been sensational. The The only thing, and I, I always wonder with this, does he get judged against Edison? I mean, Edison's sensational with his feet. We can't get away from that. I mean, you saw a few comments on Twitter yesterday about Alisson's kicking again. Is that just that he's not as good as Edison? Do you think it's over-egged that one or do you look at times and think he could do better or we'll take anything because he's the best keeper in the world type of thing. Still, the thing is, he's not he's not Nick Pope with his feet, is he? He's yeah. still, you know, he might be a, a close second to Edison maybe. I mean, Edison maybe is a little bit more of a natural footballer, but also as well, you know, Liverpool fans won't watch every City game. They won't see sometimes when right. Edison jacks one out, you know. And yeah. also, he's left-footed Edison as well, isn't he? So everything looks a bit more, a bit more natural and a bit more nice when you watch a left-footer do it. I don't know. That's just something about football I always find. So... Uh, yeah, no, no concerns for me over his kicking. I think he's, you know, he's great with his feet, and he's he's even better with his arms. Actually, the 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 throw, some of the throws out that he gets that gets Liverpool on the front foot, and he's he's kicking out of hand is is unbelievable as well, isn't it? So yeah, I think he's a, a very capable footballer and a big part of you know how Liverpool draw teams onto them. They they, they use him quite a lot in possession, and and, and they trust him in risky moments. So. Um, yeah, I, I think he's more than capable with the ball at his feet, and, and the overall package is, as I said world-class and for me the, the number one goalkeeper in the world at the moment yeah no doubt to me at all now interesting for all Alisson's done the biggest debate on our discord with all our subscribers this year has been the haircut and the facial hair with Alisson so we've seen that he's got the Russell Crowe gladiator one going on at the moment it seems to be sported we've seen full beard we've seen slick back he can just rock anything Alisson can't he he's just one of those guys that annoyingly can just pull off anything yeah, he's just well. This is it. He's the best goalkeeper in the world. Seems like a really nice fellow, and he's um, and he's good looking as well. So he's the, he's the complete package. So yeah, fair fair play to him. Yeah, literally it can pull anything off. So yeah, fingers crossed. Another one that just needs to keep fit as well. And we've got to talk about the normal stuff: transfer updates, injury news, all the things that are going on, and people want to know at the moment as well. Actually, I know it was yourself that, that wrote the piece and people have naturally pounced upon that, the centre-back, Diamande at Sporting Lisbon, because naturally people are, are probably expecting, I think it's fair to say, a centre-back to come in with Joel Matip likely to depart. I know you've written about him personally as well. Big fan of this fella. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN 
make sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. To be honest, I, I can't say I've seen an awful lot of him. Um, you know, I, I know it's true that Liverpool are looking at him. You know, he's one of many potential centre-half options in the summer. It, you know, they'd be, be completely remiss of them, wouldn't it, to, to not be looking at a player who is playing in a top-five European league at this age and, and, and doing really, really well. So, you know, he's obviously very good at the moment, but he's got room for improvement as well. And, it, you know, fits the, the physical profile that Liverpool look for. So... Yeah, you know, it's an interesting one. I think, you know, one thing I wanted to make clear in that piece is that, you know, there's absolutely no guarantee it was going to be him, that, that you know, he's one of a few options. And, and also, not even actually a, an absolute guarantee that Liverpool signed a centre-half, by the way, because, you know, we, we, we've spoken before on this podcast about the idea that, you know, do you trust Jarrell Kwanzaa? Is, is Jarrell Kwanzaa, you know, if you brought him in as the signing to replace Joel Matip, would that be considered good enough? And also, you know, you've got Connor Bradley coming through on that right-hand side now. Does yeah. he become the trend uh, backup? And that allows Joe Gomez to just be a, a pure backup centre-half. These are decisions that the, that the manager's got to make now. And I, I think it's not as clear-cut as people think, you know. I know there's a, a desire out there to get a centre-half in, but if it, it maybe denies a role for for um, Jarrell Quanta going forward, then... You know, do, do people really want that? If, if we know that Quantz is good enough and we don't know that yet, I will always emphasize that it, they get a better idea in training. But if Jurgen Klopp thinks Joel Quantz is good enough, then I, I, you know, I'd want him to be the centre-half signing, surely, because he's a local lad. He's come through the academy. He costs nothing. You can put that money elsewhere on the pitch. And the same with Conor Bradley at right-back. If he is good enough to be the, the backup right-back, and we, we, we're surely seeing that at the moment... Then, then I want him to do it. I want, I want the money to be spent in other areas if it's needed. So, um, you know, it's just one of those where Liverpool are, you know, keeping the keeping the ear to the ground, and and they are obviously checking Diamande among, amongst many others. But no, no, absolutely no guarantees. I, I would say that they definitely sign a centre half, and we we'll, we just have to see how that sort of plays out because that. You know, that sort of decision, you know, you have to sort of make it by March time. That's the time when you really want to firm things up with agents and start making inquiries as to how much deals are going to cost. So, um, you know, I'm sure we'll see something more concrete start to emerge on that in the next couple of months. But at the moment, you know, as I say, they're just keeping their ears to ground, seeing what's out there. I mean, in a great way, and it is a great way, the longer the season goes on, the almost harder it is to predict Liverpool's summer business. You're just a bit unsure of what position they will be targeting. So, like you said, probably have a clearer idea later in the season. And I know you're about this one as well. And it's just not quite had the, the best of luck, Ben Doak, this season. But hope that he is back sort of April time. Is that right? Yeah, so that yeah, that's the one I wrote for for this is Anfield this week. Is that yeah, the the the, the hope is that he's gonna he's gonna be back for April, so his season is not over, which is great because obviously knee surgery you start to think that that could be a season ender. But the, the the hope is he gets back in around April. I mean, might be tough for him to to pick up minutes at, at that point of the season if Liverpool are going well in all four competitions because obviously there's a lot on the line. And he's only a young lad, but 
you know, if Liverpool can get up in games and, and bring him on and, and give him minutes in that way, then, you know, that would be great to see because there's a lot of faith in him. And, you know, it's a real shame he's missed out on some opportunities with that with that knee injury turning up. So, uh, yeah, really excited to see him back. And, and like I say, hopefully get back for the season's end and, and maybe just get some minutes here and there to, to, to show us all his potential. Yeah, be a real bonus if you can for him more than anything as well, definitely. And naturally, there was a injury update, wasn't there, in the press conference on Friday? So everyone pounces on that and we'll issue our normal disclaimer about what Jurgen Klopp says and injuries and exact <laughs> updates is normal. But it did sound good, didn't it? With we wanted to hear about Zabozlai, he was mentioned, Trent, and then also Robbo and kind of a, a nod to Simicas as well. I mean, from you were there for obviously from what you took. Is the hope we're going to see all of them, or is that too, you know, optimistic? Quite soon. No, I think I think there's an expectation that Robertson, Trent, and Sobersly w- will be in training this week. I think that the main question is obviously they've got a game on Wednesday, so does anyone do enough to put themselves in contention for that? You know, the suggestion to me was that Sobersly is maybe the closest. I think he was unfortunate maybe to miss out on 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 the game at the weekend. So, you know, hopefully he could get Sobersly back for Fulham, which would be a big boost. Just if nothing else, just to give a little bit more on the bench. You know, Liverpool looked a, a little light there. It's great to see academy kids involved, don't get me wrong, but, you know, Liverpool looking light in terms of first-team options on the bench, aren't they? So, you know, if you could get Sobersly back for Fulham and then I think, obviously, the other two to, to be in and around the squad for Chelsea, what a what a huge boost that would be. And I know the phrase, people don't like it, but, you know, the, to get three signings of that quality in the January window would be pretty good and, you know, a couple of other players close to coming back as well. So, yeah, let, let, let's hope that they all stay on track and, and we do see them in training this week because it's, you know, the games are coming thick and fast and this squad's really, you know, it, it is a little bit of a breaking point at the moment. Can't afford to get any more injuries. So important to get some players back. Absolutely. Yeah, there was two senior subs yesterday, wasn't there? The two Dutch lads, Gravenberg and Gakpo. And then they've done well, but you do start to worry how often can we keep introducing kids Are they all those types of normal questions that will come up. But probably like you, no one could escape the injury news for the main man, Mo Salah, that was announced at the press conference and firmed up with an official statement. Is, is that, do you think that's been in the works for a while? Do you think Liverpool have sort of planned as soon as they heard it, we've got to get Salah back? Or And also, I suppose, the ones that I wanted to ask you, the fact he's coming back, does that make you start to think, it's really hard to see him going back out for AFCON. Does it just depend on what happens? Yeah, I mean, I, I believe Jurgen Klopp when he says that there's a possibility if Egypt gets to the final or, or you know, that, that he could possibly play a part. But I think it, it, it just makes sense, doesn't it, for him to do his rehab here. Liverpool's facilities, you know, that yeah. in Egypt, you know, it, it's not like he's in, in an Egypt camp where they can really look after him. They're, they're away, they're, they're in the Ivory Coast, they'll be set up in a hotel somewhere. It, it's difficult, really, to do a full, you know, the, the level of treatment that Liverpool will be giving him when they're out at a tournament. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's much better for him to come back and do his rehab here. And I, I thought uh, uh, as soon as he went down with a hamstring injury, I thought that's a tournament ender because, you know, how many times you see a player get a hamstring injury in the tournament and make it back before the end of it? It's very, very unlikely. And I think... You know, the likelihood is as well that by the time he's back and he's fit, that Egypt probably won't be in the tournament. They're now going to be without the best player. They haven't been convincing in this tournament so far at all. You know, there's, there's a chance that they even go out tonight. So um, I, I just think it, it it makes sense really for everyone that that he, that he comes back and, and undergoes treatment. And you just hope that it's it's not too lengthy one. And, and you know, if... I mean, from his perspective, obviously, he'll hope that Egypt get through and he can go back. But I just think from, you know, purely selfish Liverpool perspective, 
you'd kind of hope that, that their tournament's kind of over soonish and and he can just get get his treatment done and, and hopefully get him back on the pitch for Liverpool as soon as possible. And I think that, you know, the, the fact he's coming back now uh, opens up that possibility of getting him back as, as soon as possible. Yeah, it, we can, we know Salah loves his country. We saw seen the, the shots, but from a purely selfish perspective, we're all starting to think Chelsea, maybe Arsenal, and those types of things creep into your mind, don't they, as well? So we'll find out soon enough. And then the only other one really wanted to ask you around transfers or injuries and updates is more around the low market because that's been the biggest news really for, for January. Is there any sort of further updates on players potentially leaving? And Owen Beck obviously coming out yesterday, that limits his options now as well, doesn't it? Yeah, so, I mean, in terms of other loans, I mean, so many of the academy kids were on the bench yesterday that I think Liverpool would be kind of reluctant to to lose the ones who look the most likely for a loan at the moment. I mean, we saw Luke Chambers gone, but obviously that, you know, owed a lot to Owen Beck coming back in. So Liverpool was were swapping one one for one, really, at left-back. So that that made a lot of sense. And, and, and so, you know, in terms of potential candidates, I think... Maybe Harvey Blair is is one to keep an eye on. I think he may be going somewhere between now and the end of the window. But in terms of other kids, can't really think of any off the top of my head. And and, and you're right to say about Beck. Actually, that is it. That is an interesting one. I mean, obviously, it means he, he can't join Celtic, which was was something yeah. that was being uh, suggested he might do. I mean, if Robertson and Simicast are back soon, maybe there's a possibility he goes back on loan to to Dundee yeah. because he'd done so well there. I wouldn't I wouldn't rule that one out at all. Um, but it was interesting to see him come on because obviously, you know, as you say, Celtic were, were maybe in the mix for him there and and they've effectively ruled that one out. So I think that suggests that Liverpool didn't really want to lose him on a permanent because it was an idea that Celtic wanted to sign him on a permanent. So maybe Liverpool, you know, want to keep him around and and maybe, you know, they, they, they have more control over his destiny if he goes back on loan to Dundee and, and plays more minutes there. So that, that that's one maybe to keep an eye on between now and the end of the window and, and, and probably owes a lot to sort of what happens with Robertson? Does he come back into training this week? How close yeah, is Costas? I think, you know, if they are both as close as, as has been suggested, then maybe we do see Beck go out to Dundee and I'm sure they will be absolutely delighted with that because he was flying for them. Yeah, and it, we could really do with them back because like you say, it's just short, such a short turnaround, which is great when you're doing well in the season. But obviously Wednesday, the Carabao Cup semi-final second leg, we take a goalie to, to Craven Cottage. And then even this week, it's the the FA Cup at the weekend at Anfield. I mean, it might sound too simplistic, but is it as straightforward as strongest team versus Fulham? Largely kids against Norwich. Is that too simple or do you think that's what they'll be opting for? No, I, I, I agree. I think that's, you know, particularly at the moment when they've got so many injuries, I just think yeah. it it would be madness to do anything but that, really. I think we're going to see, yeah, as strong as Liverpool can go against Fulham. You know, we'll see what happens with Curtis Jones and then, you know, put out a, a really rotated side at the weekend. I mean, the hope is, as I say, with Robertson and, and Trent and Sobazai, can they be involved in some way in that game? You know, Sobazai maybe even Fulham. But, you know, so you can, you know, and you, you look at maybe Gakpo was on the bench last night. Gravenberg was on the bench still last night. So immediately, whoever's in that role against Fulham, they come straight into the team. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about using kids. You know, Connor Bradley is, is, is flying at the yeah. moment. Owen Beck looked really impressive, I thought, when he came on yesterday. Bobby Clark might be in the mix for a start. So you could still put out a really strong team. And I think, you know, to be at Anfield as well, Liverpool, you'd still fancy them even with a heavily rotated team. So um, kind of looking forward to seeing what that side actually ends up looking like. Yeah. Uh, could, could be really exciting with a few kids and, and and players who need minutes as well to keep the rhythm up. So I still think it could be strong, but I, but I agree that I think that's how the manager's going to go is, yeah, 
strong as possible. You've got to get through this Fulham game and then, you know, some well-earned rests in there because it's, it, it, I know they've just had the winter break, but it, it, it's just a difficult period at the moment with, with so many injuries and absentees to international tournaments. Uh, you just have to get through this period. So, yeah, hoping for, for a little bit of rotation there, yeah. Would be good, definitely. Yeah, fingers, because we just can't afford any more realistically. And I know there's there's limitations in a lot of departments, but the one I did want to ask you, if we're going strongest team naturally against Fulham, we all thought Harvey Elliott would be the right-sided forward, didn't we? But it was Luis Diaz yesterday, and then Cody Gakpo comes off the bench, gets a great assist. The other two are, are knocking in doubles against Bournemouth. Who, if it's the strongest forward line naturally, who do you think that three will be? I wonder whether, because of the way the second half went yesterday, whether he'll just stick with what what he had as a as a starting point, and, and maybe you know keep Gakpo in in reserve. Really, um, I, I wonder if that's what he, because I just think it looked a nice mix that yesterday. I know it didn't quite sort of click in the first half, but I just thought it, it you know completely got it together in the in the second period, and I think. You got you got that combined goal threat of, of, of you know Nunez just being a handful in general. Yeah, you know he, he really brings something there. Jota's the the deadliest finish finisher out of any of them, and um, so he's that real goal threat. And then you had Diaz, who he, he's kind of a weird performance from yesterday, and I think this is happening a lot recently. Actually, he ends the game with an eighty nine percent passing accuracy. Doesn't really create an awful lot of chances. Yeah. Does it? You know, not massively involved. But but I actually don't think he plays poorly. I think. He, he accepts that his role sometimes when he's in that front three is to be almost the Curtis Jones of the front three. So keep the ball, get it up there, progress it up the pitch, and then let the other guys cause havoc and, and, and they can lose the ball constantly because they're trying things. But Diaz is, you know, it, keep it sensible, keep the ball, get others into good positions, make those offers in behind and, and come short when you need to. Just, just doing a really, really solid job in there. So I thought... You know, those three as a mix actually look really, really good and they, they offered really complementary sort of qualities to the front three. So maybe maybe you'll go and stick with that. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't be upset to see that at all. Equally, you know, if Gakpo comes in, again, I thought he was good off the bench yesterday. Yeah. Uh, you know, we wouldn't be upset to see that at all. Or Harvey Elliott tried again in that right that right wing role. I, I, you know, I know it's not quite worked out for him when he's been there, but I, I still think he's more than capable of playing there. So... Um, you know, I wouldn't be upset to see anything, but I think you know my, my my feeling at the moment is maybe you know injuries permitting, he might just stick with that that forward line that we saw uh, against Bournemouth. Yeah, especially away from home, it's going to be a difficult game. You just think Luis Diaz, the one who can work back both ways, might just be cru- that foil might just be crucial. But yeah, it does face just another big one on the horizon as well. And we'll go to our normal questions from the viewers. There's some good ones actually. There's lots of really ones, good ones that came in. The one I really liked, I've got to be honest, I'll start with, I know you'll have seen it, I'm sure you watched it, the under-18s, the FA Cup. I mean, they absolutely battered Arsenal, didn't they, in the FAU Cup? There's no two ways about it. So people were, look at the goals, look at the talents and all this. I suppose the natural things people will hone us or sort of focus in on, who out of those are you looking at and think they've got a real shot of making it for the first team at Liverpool? Yeah, so I, I think I think one I should mention first up, he, he's not really a youth, uh, an academy product in that Liverpool signed him this summer, but Trey Ioni has looked really, yeah. really exciting since he's come in. Uh, you know, got high hopes for him. You know, Liverpool signed him with a view to, you know, not being too far away from the first team, really. And I think he's already showing that he's he's an absolutely quality player at that level. And, and it's not going to be too long till he gets sort of starts to, to get promoted up and, and, and starts getting around first team training as well. So really excited about him. But I really like the look of Jaden as well um, yeah. you know, 
he's sort of a, a different type of forward to maybe what Liverpool have had. You know, when you well, I say that when you're very much used to Firmino being the starting forward. But I think I just really like the look of him. I just think he's a really high quality player. And I think ultimately, you know, they might not get all of these in the into the first team. I think I think Naomi out of them. I'm, I'm really interested to see how soon that happens for him. But I think you know. It, it's not just also getting them into the team, but some of these players just look like they're going to have careers at a high level, which, you know, right. is is massive for Liverpool in terms of generating money. It adds to the, the strength of the academy in terms of the appeal to bringing players into the academy because, look, we've given these players careers. It's not just, even if you don't make it at Liverpool, you can still make a career for yourself. And, you know, there's been a lot of, of Liverpool players who've got to high levels in the academy, you know, thinking not, not too long about maybe the, the start of Jurgen Klopp's reign, where you look at maybe the the team he put out against Exeter in the FA Cup, you know, not many of those ended up doing much, you know, whereas if he put out a similar team this time around, and you know, with, with, yeah. with pure academy products, you'd have Quanta and Bradley in there for a start. And then the likes of Naomi and and, and Danz, wow. and I, I think, that, you know, Lewis Kumas, that these have all got chances of re- really making careers for themselves, at, you know, if not at Liverpool. So, um, you know, the, the academy is just absolutely flying at the moment. And it, and it is so exciting because, You've got a manager who shows that faith, and it's you know it, it's just exciting to see these kids come through and 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 show that enthusiasm and and and, and just show that the academy is, is working and all the work that's been done by Alex Inglethorpe and his staff is is now really starting to pay off. So it's a really exciting time, and, and looking forward to hopefully a couple more of those coming through and making an impact on the first team. Yeah, no doubt. And if you've not seen the highlights, people, just worth watching with that 7-1, especially that dance free kick. I mean, that's yeah. absolutely deadly. So definitely have a, a quick watch of that if you've not. And probably the, the final question, I'm almost taking you back to something we asked earlier that I did want to discuss. McAllister obviously now shining. Endo, obviously, since December, unfortunately, he's away at the Pacific Cup. But really, you know, starting to, to almost come to terms, I'd say, and look at a good player. Does your gut tell you this is Liverpool reevaluating the sixth position? Because naturally, we go back to the summers we talked about it. Was it Caicedo, Lavia, all the things? And we were just expecting, we thought Liverpool would definitely want that younger number six going forward. But with what's happening now, does your gut tell you that's maybe not quite even on the shopping list or as high as it was, so to speak? Yeah, I don't think they will be in for a six. I think that's been the noise out of Liverpool since the, the, the summer window closed, really, that, look, we got Endo, who was our sort of out-and-out out number six, and we believe yeah. in McAllister in this position. And I think they've been proven right on both counts. I thought Endo was was fantastic before he went away from the Asian Cup. And if he's your your backup go-to number six, then he's absolutely capable of playing that role for Liverpool. Yeah. You know, he may not be absolutely world-class on the ball, but he's, you know, everything else he, he does there is, is what you want from your number six. And McAllister, I think he's now finally starting to find that rhythm of, of playing that role and, and doing really well. So, you know, even the debate around McAllister is not being a natural number six. What more could you want from your number six in your team than what he offered at Bournemouth yesterday? I just think it's, it's madness that there's still this obsession around it. And I mean, you know, particularly when you look at what Caicedo's done at Chelsea and and, and obviously we haven't seen yeah. much of Fabio at all because of injuries, but you know, do, do you really feel like we... I, I think he's a fantastic player, don't get me wrong, but I think, you know, he wasn't playing as a lone six at Chelsea... Uh, at Brighton, sorry. So yeah. it would have been a difficult thing for him to adapt to. Much similarly to Alexis McAllister, who's finding his way into how to do that. Um, but, he, but he's performing far better than Caicedo is at the moment. And I think... You know, I, I spoke to a source, uh, you know, during the, the summer window who sort of said to me, you know, you look out there at the European market for number sixes and there actually isn't a lot out there really. Yeah. I know 
some of the names that were being thrown out, Singare, who's, who's not done much at all at no, Forest, not definitely so. not good no. enough for Liverpool. You know, the idea that he was being floated as a Liverpool signing, no chance. Uh, Florentino Luis at Benfica hasn't really pulled up any trees since a sort of semi-impressive season for them. So there's not an obvious target out there who would completely transform Liverpool in that position. And what they've got there at the moment is absolutely working. I think McAllister's doing really, really well. So for me, uh, you know, well, not just for me, I, I don't believe a six will be on, on the shopping list this summer at all. I think Liverpool think they've solved that issue. You know, the, uh, and there will be other other areas of the team that they may be pushed to strengthen before that uh, because they, they think what they've got is, is good enough. And I, I tend to agree with that view. Yeah, absolutely. There's, in a good way, transfers is quiet, but that's, I know people love transfers, but it's because the team's doing so well, obviously. They just want to keep people fit and get people back. That's the aim at the moment. And they're top of the league by five points and there's a Carabao Cup semi-final with one foot in Wembley coming up on Wednesday. So, Reds, if you're listening, if you're not excited still, we can't really help you much more, to be honest, can we? But all it really leaves me to say as ever is, David, thank you for your time and your insights. It's much appreciated as ever. Thanks for having me. Good stuff. And ladies and gents, that was another Media Matters Banfield Index. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.